0: Good morning everybody. Great to see all of you. Let me greet our campuses this morning. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries and we're glad you're with us today. No matter which campus you joined us in, we know that you've already worshiped the Lord today. Now we're getting ready to go into the Word of the Lord. So I want you to get ready to receive what God has for you. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking on this subject of when desires go bad. We talked about how that in our lives, that first of all, is that God gave us our desires. That God is the one who is the creator of our desires. But what we find happening is, is that we find a lot of times those desires have a tendency to get out of control. So the first week we talked about uh, the whole subject of, and, and I'm, I've been real spiritual and real religious in my titles. The first week we talked about, I can't get no satisfaction. Right? We talked about how that when your desires get in your life is that you really don't ever uh, find that place of true satisfaction. The second week, uh, I was real spiritual again. I used a Fleetwood Mac song that was called "Little Lies," uh, and, and that that last week we talked about how that the little lies are, are those things that get us. It's not the huge things. It's not the big things. Uh, it's those little lies. And so we've been looking every week in the Book of Romans, chapter six, seven, and eight. So I'm going to encourage you to go there again today because we're going to be talking out of this this whole passage. And I've told you, I hope you're doing this that you need to be reading. Romans 6, 7, and 8 uh, in your devotion time because I believe that it is one of the greatest passages in Scripture to help us to learn how to live an overcoming life. Now, the book of Romans, the 7th chapter, beginning in the 15th verse and reading through the 19th verse today is where I want to begin. And it's, it's kind of a, almost a tongue twister as I begin to read it. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Now, now let me set this up for some of us. Paul uh, is the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul is writing at this point to a, to a church or to a group of believers uh, in Rome. Now, he, here's what's interesting about Rome. We think that we're pretty wicked, and we are. But I want to tell you, Rome probably had us beat in some ways. I mean, th- there were aspects of things that were happening at this time uh, when, when Paul wrote to this church that was gathering there in Rome that if I were to begin to try to tell you really all the things that were happening, I, I would be very offensive in a mixed company. Because there were all kinds of, of, of illicit things, there were immoral things taking place, there were, there were just so many things, and so people were coming out of, of a lot of lifestyles where they had been in bondage, and where they had been all kind of, of giving of, of themselves to all kind of sexual perversion and all this, and then they become Christians. And Paul begins to write to them, telling them how to live this overcoming life. And yet what was happening is, is that people were being told, well, if you just got saved, you wouldn't struggle with things anymore. Some of us have been told the same thing. So let's see what Paul says. Romans 7, verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Now, that's a whole lot of I do's there, isn't it? I mean, he, he saying, you know, it, it's, I, I've got this desire. I'm wanting to do right. I'm wanting to live godly. But he said, that's not what I'm doing. Verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. In other words, what the law says is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Now, I want to just stop for a moment. I I want you to get this. This is the, the guy that we refer to as the Apostle Paul. This is the man who gave us much of our christian foundation and yet as he is writing there he says sin is still working in my life now i don't know about you that makes me feel better i mean i knew it was in me i lied about it a lot but you know i pretended it wasn't i faked it well but but i knew it was and then i found that verse and i said all right. If it's happening in Paul, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not going to sweat it as much. Some of y'all are nervous already. Now watch what he says. Verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Now he's not talking about he's horrible. He's just saying in this sinful aspect of who I am, there's nothing good there. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. It, it's this whole process of, I, I know that I ought to say no, but I said no, but that didn't help. And, and we've all been told, just say no. What I want to tell you, just saying no doesn't mean it's going to stop. I want to kind of jump ahead 2,000 years. Can I do that? I, I want to I show you from, from our perspective, in our society right now, how this kind of looks. Can you just watch the screens? To make me go to rehab. I said no, no no. Yes, I've been black but when- Now here's what I know. I know first of all, some of you are highly offended. (laughs) A pastor would play Amy Winehouse at church. Most of you are pretending you don't know who Amy Winehouse is. But what this song is saying is exactly what the Apostle Paul said. She's saying, and and if you don't know, let me just clear it up for some of you who really are spiritual. Uh, Amy Winehouse was probably one of the greatest voices in the last 10 to 15 years that came on the scene in pop music. And yet, she had a huge addiction problem. In fact, she died at 27 years of age from alcohol poisoning. Her, Her alcohol level was five times over the legal limit when she died. Why? Because... Everybody said, you need to go to rehab, but she said, no, no, no. Now, here's the title of my sermon today. I say, no, no, no. Now, he, you said, Pastor, you said saying no doesn't help. No, saying no doesn't help, but saying no, 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 that starts helping. See, there's this, there's this whole perspective here that, that we've got to come to understanding. And, and again, if, if I, I offended you today, just pray I'll get more spiritual by next week. But the, the, the process is, is that in our lives, we live in this, in this tension. If, if you're not a believer today, you're just here. What I'm going to talk about will still be of benefit to you. you you'll still gain some principles to, to how to live an overcoming life. To those of you who are Christians, though... It's time that as believers, we quit faking, that we quit pretending, that we quit acting like that there's no issues and there's no struggle. There really are times when our desires, good desires, good things that God placed in our life have now taken a turn for the worse and they've become desires that have gone bad. Here's what I found through the years, and we'll get right into the the text today. Uh, but, But every poor moral decision is prefaced By a series of unwise choices. Now now let me say that again. Every poor moral decision is prefaced by a series, not one, by a series of unwise choices. I didn't get addicted by one choice. I got addicted choice after choice after choice that led me down the wrong road. So if that is true, then how do I get out of it? Now, I want to say this. I believe God is a miracle worker, and I do believe that there are those instances where people are instantly set free from whatever the desire in their life is that's controlling them. But I also know, from number one, from living for God for many years, number two, from pastoring for over 30 years, I know this, that most of us do not experience that level of freedom in a moment. Now, again, we, pre- we pretend like we do. We act like we've got it together. But really, we find ourselves moving into this. And so I want to show you, if it's a series of unwise choices that gets me into a mess, then let's find the wise choices from what Paul is saying here. In fact, if you'll just back up one chapter, that's where we're going. To, we're going into chapter 6, and we're just kind of going to work our way through that today. Because I believe that there are some choices that you and I can make that will help us to move into the freedom that God has for us. So if you have your Bible or you have an iPad or something that the Scripture's downloaded on, let, let's just look at that. Romans 6.1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? I think King James says that grace may abound. Now, n- number one is, and we've talked about this probably every week, but the number one thing you've got to do is you've got to acknowledge that there is a problem. Now, the Apostle Paul calls it sin. Now, some of us get nervous with that word, so I don't care what you call it. It doesn't matter to me if you call it sin or not. You can say, well, I've got this problem. Fine. I've got this habit. Great. I've got this lifestyle challenge. Wonderful. Paul just calls it sin. And what has to happen to us is, is that we've got to come to that place where that you and I learn to acknowledge the problem. I mean, how often do, do we pretend that nothing's there? I, I, I said recently uh, that, that, you know, there's, there's a listing of, of in Scripture, there's are spiritual gifts that are listed, and the Apostle Paul lists a lot of them. And, and um, I think there ought to have been one more that should have been listed, and that is the gift of ignorance. Now, here's what I mean about that. I, I mean, there are a lot of us who think that if we ignore it, it'll go away. Men are really good at this. I'll tell man secrets here. Men have a way of com- compartmentalizing. We we just kind in my life, and, and Sherry kind of you know works with me, and and I'm bo- I'm doing better by the way. Uh, but but it's kind of like once I've made a decision and I've moved on, it's kind of like okay. I, I don't I don't spend a lot of time. I'm not very reflective at times. You know I I don't pine away from the good old days. It's kind of like, okay, it's over, let's go. What's what's next? But the problem is, the problem that we find happening a lot is that we pretend that there is no problem, and therefore we can't get the problem fixed. So the Apostle Paul said there, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He he said, God forbid, don't stay. Don't just live life and pretend that, that everything is wonderful and everything is good. Then he goes on in verse 2 through 4, he says, shall we continue to sin? He says, by no means we died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ, now don't miss this, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, now get this, we too may live a new life life. The the second thing that we've got to do, if we really want to get a handle on these issues in our life, if we really want to be overcoming Christians and overcoming people in our lives, the second thing that we have to do is we have to stop the excuses. Listen, if you've lived longer than, I don't know, 30 minutes, you have an excuse. Well, if you knew the kind of home I was raising. Somebody, somebody came to me a while back and they said, Pastor, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from a dysfunctional home. And I, I, was, I thought about that for a minute and I thought, I, I, I don't know anybody that's not. <laughs> I mean, I, have you read the Bible? I mean, the Bible is full of dysfunctional families. I mean, you talk about David, King David. You talk about dysfunction junction. I mean, not only, you know, if you study scripture there, his dad forgets him, you know, he's sent out, and so that whole thing's bad, and then you look at David's family, you talk about dysfunctional, and, and we, we, we live, and so we're, we're always throwing these things out, and, and our society keeps giving us more new ones, so it's not my fault, it's your fault, it's my third grade teacher's fault, it's whatever. Uh, there's a sketch on YouTube that I would encourage all of you to go look at. I don't encourage you to look at much on YouTube, uh, but, but it's by Bob Newhart, the comedian Bob Newhart, and, and he's, he's playing a psychiatrist, and it's about a four or five minute segment there, and, and he's got somebody in his office, and every time she would start talking about what her issues were, he'd just look at her. She'd get through what the issue was, and he'd just look at her and go, stop it. She'd go something else. He'd just look at her and go, stop it, and, and I've, I've thought on how many occasions In counseling, have I just wanted to look at somebody and just say, stop it. (laughs) Cut it out. Stop making excuses. Now, I understand physiological and psychological, I understand all that, but what I'm saying to us is the Word of God says that we've got to come to that place where we stop making and stop living this lifestyle of always excusing these desires that the Apostle Paul says have become sinful in our lives. Look in verse 5. If we've been united with him, speaking of Jesus, like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, just write this down if you're taking notes. The, the third thing you've got to do, is, and I'll explain it, you've got to be united with Jesus. Now, the, the passage here is, is real interesting because it talks about if we have been united with him like this in his death. When it, when it talks about that, we, we don't really think that through. Now, maybe you have, but most of us really don't. We just say, if you'll come to Jesus, your life's going to be wonderful. Right? Come on, you know you know that you have heard sermons through your life. If you just get saved, everything will be wonderful. And then most of us got saved and everything blew up. And we went, wait a minute. They told me that if I got saved, I'd have everything I wanted. Everything would be wonderful. Everybody would love me and, and I got saved and it hasn't quite worked out that way and and then we start looking at our lives and and we're like what I read there in the first part where Paul says you know I want to do good I want to live right I want to be holy I want to do the things that God has called me to do but I find within myself this law and he calls it the law of sin and death how how do I get to that place what You know, people people look at Christians and they say, well, Christians think they're perfect. Only goofy ones. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Only only ones who are very self-deluded think they're perfect. I want to tell you, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for many years. I know I'm not perfect. I know that there's all kind of struggles and issues in my life. And yet what I find is, is that I find the Word of God telling me that I'm to be united with Jesus Christ. How do I go about doing that? Let me, let me use this illustration that always creates trouble for me. But it's the best way I know to tell it. When you stand before the justice of the peace or the pastor or whoever married you, that day you are united in marriage. For better or for worse, rich or poor, in sickness and in health, right? That moment, you're united in marriage. But it takes a while. I'll wait. It takes a while to really get united. I mean, if, if you're a per- let me do it this way. If you're a person who has dated a lot before you got married after you got married you see a good-looking babe walk by or you see a nice-looking man walk by if you're a gal your first thought is I'd like to date them now hopefully your second thought is oops I'm married still working with some of you on that no really I mean you say well you got married you, you shouldn't really you got saved. You shouldn't. Really? We're, we're, we, we play this game. We ally. Yeah, you know what? I've been married almost 35 years. I got married when I was two. <laughs> and uh, in, in the process, what I have found is, is that Sherry and I have become United. When, when, I, when I see some... Now, now, let me explain something to you. I haven't gone blind. That'll <laughs> help some of you. But, but when I see a nice-looking woman walk by, my first thought is not, man, I'd like to date her. I mean, that's not even in the top 20. In fact, I don't even think it comes on the radar anymore. Why? Because I know that after this season of marriage... I know the good things, I know the blessings, I know the comfort, I know all of those things that have come into my life of being united with her. It's the same way in our relationship with Jesus Christ. When I go into this marriage, I get saved, man I still, sin still feels good and I I love the reaction that I get from Christians when I say that. <laughs> really? Let me, let me help us. Let me give you Scripture for it. There's pleasure in sin. That's what the Bible says. Now, I, I understand the rest of it says for a season. I got that. But there is pleasure in it. And so if I have lived a certain way, if my desires have gotten out of whack in a certain way, and I have lived that way, when I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, it is going to take a season of coming into unity before I don't just immediately give in the the gratification that I want. I just do what I want. I'm I'm a a Christian, but I'm doing this. I'm, I'm a believer, I'm going to church, but... There's this wall, there's this problem, there's this difficulty. But God says, Come to that place where you are united. In other words, walk with Him, live with Him, let Him become part of your life. And as you do that, what you will find is that you will find this journey becomes sweeter and better. And you find yourself, then you do begin to find yourself, listen, I'm not what I want to be. I haven't found all the answers yet, but I am so much better than I used to be. And that's what it's about. It's about moving and being united with Him. And and then verse 8 says, now if we dine with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. The fourth thing that we've got to do is we've got to live to God. You say, what do you mean? Understand, before you were a believer, you lived to self and to sin. Now... You've got to intentionally, day in and day out, live to God. I, th- that's why getting into the Word of God is so important. That's why I've encouraged you during this series to be in Romans 6, 7, and 8. Why? Because that means, it's, remember those, it's those small decisions. Remember, it's, it's that process of decisions that got you into the mess. Now, make some decisions. I mean, I mean, our problem is, is we want everything like this. I mean, we want the miracle diet, right? Give me a pill, give me a program, let me quit eating one thing and let me lose 10 pounds this week. Instead of saying, no, I need to cut back on a few things, I need to exercise a little bit, let's look at the long-term picture and let's figure this thing out. It's the same way in your walk with Jesus Christ. You've got to learn how to live to God. Lord, I want to set, the the Bible says it this way, I want to set my affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. Now, that takes a while. It doesn't just happen immediately. It is the process of living to God. When I make my decisions, I mean, I think about it for a moment, and we'll move on because it's getting way too convicting think about where you've wound up and if you had made a wise decision where you would have wound up. That investment that you just couldn't pass up because it was the that you sunk $40,000 into. Had hanging out with just these people, if you had made a wise decision. That's what living to God is. It's making those wise decisions. And then I won't read all this, but but verse 11 through 14. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't offer your parts as uh, instruments of righteousness. He goes through this whole aspect there, and you can read it later for the sake of time I want. Here's the last part of this today. And I want you to hear me carefully. Embrace the journey. It's not a sprint. It's not and I'm going to get in trouble by this one, it's not the destination, it's the journey. We we have such an escape mentality in the church of Jesus Christ right now that it just drives me over the edge. Man, I can't wait till Jesus comes get us out of this mess. I can't wait to get to heaven. Do you realize you weren't created for heaven? God's not schizophrenic and He doesn't have Alzheimer's. He created you for earth. He put you here. He didn't go, oops, I don't know why they're there. I messed up. No, he created us for earth. Now, heaven is in the future. But what would happen to us if we learned to embrace the journey? That you know what? There are going to be those moments of great wonder and great things happening in your life. And there are going to be moments of great sorrow and pain. Pastor, that's not a positive confession. Oh, yes, it is. I'm positive you're going to have that. (laughs) Jesus said it this way, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If we could all understand today, Christianity is not about arriving. Christianity is about the journey. It's about the process. Again, how many times have we jumped into the car, and as men especially, you, you know, we are so bent on, we can't slow down for anything, anybody, no bathroom breaks, just cross your legs, we're going. I mean, we we got to, it's, and sometimes the destination, we get there and everybody's mad. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's ready to kill each other because we made it about the destination and not about the journey. I close with this. I wonder about a lot of christians that i meet who seem to be so sad and so mad now they can tell you what god's word says i mean they they've got it down they i've come to the point of understanding that if all i've got is biblical knowledge i'm arrogant It's biblical lifestyle that produces holiness. And so I meet people all the time who, it's like they hate everybody, but they're a Christian. Or it's like they're sad, but they're a Christian. And I go, what happened to John 10.10? Jesus said, I am come that you can have life and that you can have that life more abundantly. What's up with that? I think it's because we've missed the understanding that this thing is a journey. And I may fall. The book of Proverbs says the righteous man falls seven times, but arises again. There are no perfect Christians. There are no perfect believers. There's nobody in this room or listening to me at any of the campuses or anywhere else today who you don't have any issues. All of us do. But listen to what the apostle Paul said. Romans 7 24. What a wretched man that I am who will rescue me from this body of death but then he goes on verse 25. But thanks be to God Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That ought to be a rallying cry for us. Who shall deliver me? Who's going to get me out of this mess? But thanks be to God who has delivered me, who has bought me, who has placed his life within me. Let me do this as I close to try to redeem myself with some of you or Amy Winehouse (laughs) all of you are going to know it it's an old old song it simply says just as I am without one plea but that your blood was shed for me and that you bid me come to thee O Lamb of God I come that's what he's saying to us today all your habits, all your hang-ups, all your struggles. Lord, today we come to you.